0: Welcome to Catechesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Catechesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K 6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. Uh, today we're with uh, guest Father Jay Atherton from the Diocese of Albany, New York, and we're going to be talking about a little bit about confirmation, a little bit about religious education, uh, what's going on in his neck of the woods. He is a pastor of two parishes right now, and uh, I'll leave it up to him to say a few more things about himself. So, Father Jay, welcome to Chattachesis. Glad to have you.
1: Thank you, Deacon Matt. Happy to be here.
0: Why don't you say a little bit about yourself that hasn't already been said?
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm about uh, 38 years old, just turned 38 this year. Uh, I've been a priest for nine years now. And a pastor for seven. It was actually just exactly seven this past Thursday on the Feast of St. Therese. That's when I was officially appointed a pastor at St. Therese of the Child Jesus in Wyndham, New York.
0: Well, congratulations on those Thank years. Thank you. I also, I didn't share this with you in our pre- preparation for the show, but she is my patroness saint. Uh, love her dearly. Love her dearly.
1: <laughs> a lot to love.
0: Yes. In fact, uh, my wife and I were pulling through Starbucks the other day. Actually, It was yesterday and uh she goes oh look roses oh it's a sign from saint therese because we just had her feast day so yeah nice
1: wonderful.
0: nice wonderful so you're you're managing two you're, you're you're pastoring two parishes um can you say the names of those parishes again
1: yeah so i have sacred heart immaculate conception parish
0: mm-hmm. uh, which
1: is a merger of two communities and saint Therese of the child jesus parish
0: is this a big drive for you between St. Therese and Sacred Heart Immaculate Conception?
1: Uh, it depends on what your concept of big is, I guess.
0: <laughs> How long does it take you?
1: Uh, if I go the short way, um, it's about 25 minutes from St. Teresa's to Immaculate Conception, and then another 12 minutes from Immaculate Conception to Sacred Heart. But um it's all over mountains. So I'm in the Catskill Mountains of New York state. So St. Teresa's is one, one mountain, uh, immaculate conceptions, a couple mountains over and then sacred heart is down in the Valley.
0: So is it a scenic drive? I imagine it
1: is, it is. It, it's beautiful.
0: Well, that's a, that's a plus then for all it that. Is. Are you, how often are you making these trips back and forth?
1: Uh, since COVID less frequently, um, thanks thanks be to God that's one good thing uh, to come out of this time, but uh, before that, I was in each each of the communities at least twice a week
0: so we have uh, i'm sure uh, clergy listening to this podcast who also have multiple parishes assigned to them um, is this are we going to see more of this happening? Do you think uh, parishes merging? And a follow-up question, um, with the merger of Sacred Heart and Immaculate Conception, um, are, are the resources merging, or what are they sharing? Are they sharing ministries? What's going on in those two parishes? So those two questions for you.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, so I think that we're going to see, absolutely, absolutely, we're going to see pastors having responsibility for multiple communities. I think that's that's a given. Um, exactly what the nuts and bolts of that looks like, I think we're going to see variation. So I would suspect that what will be done, say, in many dioceses of the Midwest, for example, uh, where the, the business side of the church is structured a little bit differently than it is here in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's in the history of how the church developed in the United States, there's all these little quirks, uh, that cause some variation. Um, but you know, the advantage of a full on merger is you do get some simplicity, say for example, in the bookkeeping and things like that.
0: So if the two parishes are, are, what are the resources they're sharing exactly or what's being shared?
1: Yeah. So, uh, For Sacred Heart and Immaculate Conception, when they merged, then everything came together. They were sharing a priest. They were sharing finances, staff, the whole nine yards. Now for St. Teresa's and Sacred Heart Immaculate Conception, um, as they are linked, we say, in in my diocese because they are sharing me, initially that was all they were sharing. Uh, Now we also share musicians and we also share a deacon.
0: Overall, do you feel like it's going well? Do you feel like the people are dealing with that linkage or merger well?
1: Um, It could be worse. (laughs) It could definitely be worse. Um, Part of little quirks, you know, these are all in in small towns. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially, say, you know, the community that would be Immaculate Conception and the community that would be St. Teresa's there's two different school districts and they are bitter, bitter rivals. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Um,
1: I once had uh, uh, um, our religious ed... Um, coordinator in in haynes falls which is the immaculate conception community she was born and raised there and she said when i was a teenage girl you would never even think about dating a wyndham boy <laughs> yeah, you know uh, now are you a
0: wyndham boy i mean you're not dateable we all know that yes
1: <laughs> uh, but are you a wyndham boy not originally no okay. i'm uh from the other mountains of new york state uh, up okay. in the adirondacks okay. so Woodchuck born and bred. Okay. And, uh, here I am now in other mountains.
0: Wonderful. Well, let's shift gears a little bit from parish and linkages to talk a little bit about you and your ministry at St. At Teresa's. I see that you've got Father Jay's YouTube channel. What's on it and what might be on it?
1: Yeah, so uh, when we first went into lockdown back in April, and the public masses were canceled. Immediately, that's what I switched over to. So I could reach my daily mass crowd, my weekend mass crowd with, with mass at the very least. And then during Holy Week, I did some special messages because I wanted to direct people to watch our liturgies that we were uh, in our diocese sending out from the cathedral. Um, I'm still just putting masses up. And right now, just Sunday Masses. But in the future, I would like to work on the channel a little bit more. Still trying to find my niche. And uh, probably the leading candidate right now is something that would be very meditative mm. and sort of instructional, on how-to uh, with prayer.
0: Wow. I think anything that's meditative, uh, calming, people would really love, uh, particularly now particularly whenever the next presidential debate is. If you can have your your calming episode ready to roll, (laughs) that would be a good time.
1: It'll just be, (laughs) listen, don't watch it.
0: That's right. (laughs) It'll just be, here's two people who are able to have a conversation. Do you remember what that was like? This is how it works. Uh, Wonderful. So we'll be looking for this uh, calming, meditative, perhaps spiritual direction-like, Uh, content on Father Jay's YouTube channel in the near future. Um, I want to shift gears again, and let's talk a little bit about liturgy. And uh, I think across the country, uh, even before we started the podcast series and talking to clergy, um, just doing a little research, I I think at the beginning of all of this with COVID, there was kind of a, a uniform sort of policy with regards to liturgy uh, maybe it was shared down from the USCCB or, or however, but it seemed pretty uniform from state to state, diocese to diocese. Um, now things are a little bit different. Some places are more opened up than others, and and so policies are varying a little bit. So uh, so where you are uh, in your parish, you're requiring pre-registration for mass, and masks are mandatory. So I want to ask you how how are the people there, your parishioners, taking to those requirements? Um, has anybody pushing back or how's that been for you?
1: I would say our people have been extremely cooperative. And I think we probably are getting more people attending mass because we're doing things the way we're doing them than we would otherwise. I think Uh, they're feeling safer. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, As I'm sure everybody knows, you know, in this time of pandemic, nobody's in the U.S. has been hit harder than New York State. Mm -hmm. And even though in the area of my parishes, um, I'm only aware that we lost one parishioner to COVID. But we have a lot of connections in our parishioners to people down in the city, people along Long Island, New Jersey, and it was very, very bad and very traumatic so my the population uh, of my parish they really understand how completely out of hand the situation could get so i think they welcome these uh these safety protocols uh, Mm -hmm. for the most part and we're also a very touristy area Mm. so the insistence on the pre-registration that was one of my things uh in in the beginning and most of the rest of the implementation implementation of everything i delegated but i wanted people to know what to expect before they even arrived at the church yeah and i still want that and i think it's it's served us well
0: well father jay i think i'm sure you know people appreciate you know the steps you're trying to take to make them feel safer and just being up front about things and, and transparent. I think all of that's appreciated and, and they know you're trying to keep them safe ultimately. And, and the bottom line is, if there's somebody that doesn't want to wear a mask, well, I'm sure there's a parish near you. <laughs> you know what I mean? That they, that they can go to, right?
1: There, uh, well, I Fair have to there. say, I have to say the, in, in general, the, the parishes in our diocese have been very compliant. Oh, okay. Um but what we do have, even in my parish, is if for some reason people can't wear a mask, don't want to wear a mask, we bought a little FM radio transmitter. Oh. So each mass is able to broadcast. It just goes out to the parking lot, uh, and then you know the, the signal trails out. But it allows them to be there present, to listen to the mass, and then they can come afterwards and, and receive communion.
0: That is a cool idea. Um, And and talking with you before the show, we didn't get around to that. uh, But having a transmitter like that, I'm sure it's a small investment. And Mm -hmm. uh, that would be a nice way for those who either can't or choose not to wear, could be in their car and hear the mass.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And in fact, uh, one of the masses that we've had has been all outdoors and using that. And I think it's a much more elegant solution than a loudspeaker. Uh, much kinder to the neighbors,
0: right? Or a bullhorn, yeah. Right, <laughs> right.
1: And and I have to say, it was a bit of a learning curve, but within two weeks, my, right. my team had it down
0: pat. Well, that's wonderful. It sounds like you have a very good team. Um, let's go ahead and we'll shift again to faith formation, and specifically, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about um, online confirmation preparation that you have at your parish. Um, What's that like? What does it mean to have confirmation prep online? What does that look like? And have you heard any feedback about it from participants?
1: Yeah, so we've been using this model for uh, at least three years, maybe four. And the reason we moved to this in in the first place was because of our demographics. Uh, We're a very rural area, sparsely populated and the population is aging, so we got to the point uh, when I arrived seven years ago. I think we had the biggest confirmation group was about six kids, and then the next year we had I think five kids, and then sure enough, you know, before long there was a year where we had two kids, and in particular the the program that they we had in Wyndham. Uh, really relied a lot of um, group interaction. But when you only have two kids, mm-hmm. it just, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And we looked at our baptismal records and saw that, all right, as we're within the next few years going to get to the kids who are coming through, we're looking at having one, one year in one community that maybe to and to other communities. And there's just no way that we can run a conventional model when it's going to be a trickle of kids. Right. But rather than just say, all right, well, sorry, you've got to go over to another parish to, to do whatever, we, we said, well, what are the advantages to this? What are the advantages to doing something that's very small? Well, we can make this really, really personalized. Mm. And all right, if you're not going to be able to come for a class and be with all of your friends, you could at home with your family, watch a video online, um, maybe go over some reflection questions, do that for a while, have an engagement with me from time to time. And so that's the direction we moved. And right now our, our model has sort of three pillars to it. Um, The first is that online engagement, which is focused on the content of the faith, and they watch videos. I tell them one video a day. You know, uh, we've been using um, uh, the Dynamic Catholic program for that. Then the second part is one on one meetings with me, and I teach them different forms of prayer. So I do Lectio Divina. I teach them the Ignatian examine Prayer. I teach them how to pray with icons. And then I do a meditation on the Mass, but through the lens of church architecture. Mm. So we we go into the church, and I'm really explaining things about what we're doing at Mass and what's happening at Mass Mm -hmm. and how to pray with that, all by looking at the visual cues. Mm-hmm. the church building and how it reinforces that. It's, that one is one of the most popular ones. And then we ask them to engage the parish through service mm-hmm. and special events so that they really do have some element of of community there because the cohort element is very important. So, you know, the feedback that we've gotten is that they all, you know, they kind of miss having things with their friends. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have to say, the the things that the Lord will work in the hearts of these kids mm-hmm. when you do get them. Just okay, stop, breathe, literally breathe, listen, listen to the scriptures, listen to what the Lord is speaking in your heart. It's incredible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's absolutely incredible, and um you know the parents engage it with many of them, and the parents find it tremendously helpful for themselves. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of resistance to it initially, mm-hmm. But I would say um, over the the last few years, it's become accepted.
0: That sounds fabulous. Uh, those three pillars you mentioned and and strong focus on prayer. Uh, even going back to potentially what ends up on your YouTube channel, very prayer focused. Um, How do you share then the content that, uh, you know, talking about the sacrament of confirmation, is that through video? Is that through catechesis from you? Who does that? Or what does that look like? Um,
1: So they would get some of that through the, the online video part. Mm -hmm. And then one of the last meditations I do with them is on the creed. Mm. And I do it in the context of uh, explaining to them, okay, this is how the actual rite of confirmation is going to work. Mm-hmm. You're going to stand up and before the community, before the bishop, before God, you are going to make this statement of belief. Mm-hmm. And I do a little bit of uh, history with them mm-hmm. on you know the the points of the creed, what were the controversies, mm-hmm. and then. Did that lead them into a meditation on okay, here's the difference it makes if you believe Jesus is God or not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Here's the difference it makes if you believe Jesus actually died for real and rose from the dead or not. Mm-hmm. Here's the difference it makes, you know, with believing in the, the action of the Holy Spirit in your life and in the church and and so on. So that's how, uh, how are they respond. Sort of
0: how are the young ones responding to that approach
1: usually the the comment is wow that's what all that means
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know to the you know we,
1: we do this at mass every yeah. week but never had any idea yes, <laughs> you know, I mean, there was function, so much behind all of that
0: yes we function but we don't reflect uh yep. you know we don't we don't reflect on what we're doing um that's wonderful it sounds like a very lectionary not lectionary but liturgical catechetical Kind of approach, which is wonderful, um, liturgy catechizes. So getting them in the right uh, and talking through the right and why this is the right, uh, that's a wonderful a wonderful approach. We have a few moments left here and I'm from a diocese, you mentioned being in the Catskills, uh, kind of a more rural area, um, you know, in less population density. So I'm from the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa, we have a, a pretty big rural population as well. So I'm going to ask you to kind of stay on the topic of sacramental preparation because we also have parishes um, that are merging uh, or have merged and are trying to figure out, you know, how do we do confirmation or how do we do first communion prep, mm-hmm. um, first reconciliation with small groups or just a couple of kids. Do you have any, do you have any other insights uh, that you'd like to share?
1: So I would say, you know, for this generation, yeah, that aspect of the cohort is very important to them, but it's not a deal breaker. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, you may get resistance to it, but you can get kids one-on-one and with the proper encouragement. You know, with the support of their parents or maybe a sponsor or, you know, somebody like that, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed at the things that they will do once they have no choice and they have to do them. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I I always have thought, you know, if you expect a lot, you get a lot. If you don't expect a lot, you won't get a lot. Mm -hmm. So things are going to look different. You know, you're not going to have that moment of, you know, 20 little girls walking down in little bridesmaids' dresses, <laughs> you know, and 20 little boys in the ties. It's not going to be that way. Mm-hmm. It isn't. Mm-hmm. But if you have one kid, can you have them there as a part of the regular Sunday mass mm-hmm. with, yeah, their friends and relatives who are coming in and joining the community? Yeah. And,. Is that a huge boost to the morale of the larger Sunday mass crowd? It certainly is. Definitely.
0: Oh, thank you for that. Um, I got to ask too before we close out really quickly. Um, what what would be one piece of advice you would give a priest who's just been assigned multiple parishes for the first time?
1: Ooh, oh boy. <laughs>
0: We didn't talk about this beforehand, but I thought I got to ask it just in case he's got a, a little nugget there to share.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and I have to say, you know, full disclosure, I, I would not have said this even six months ago. Okay. Um, you know, it's really been this time of COVID that has, you know, in forcing me to step back and reflect on things that I would say this now. each one of us, just like uh, every individual Christian you know, has a vocation. Within the vocation, there is a particularity, mm-hmm. there's a specificity. Mm-hmm. And I would say, if you have not, particularly a, a priest, you know, if you have not come up with a, a sense of what God's mission statement for you is, so, yes, within the scope of what the priesthood is, you know, God has chosen me, Jay Atherton, to be a, a priest. And that's for a very specific and particular reason. And there are things that I'm going to do that my friend over here, who is also a priest, and over there is also a priest, but they're not. Get grounded in that focused, specific sense of what your mission is. Because you're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices, mm-hmm. um, yet, but you know, doing the multi community thing. But the insight that I would have is sacrifice appropriate sacrifice has to be mission oriented, mm. and there is no shortage of the really good, really priestly, really important, meaningful, impactful things that you could do Mm -hmm. but you won't be able to do them all Mm -hmm. you have to be focused you have to be focused on what god's specific mission within the priesthood is for you you have to be grounded in knowledge of yourself what do you need to fulfill that mission and what is distraction so, if it's a really good thing and really important, but not a part of your mission, ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to delegate that.
0: I really appreciate so. that, and uh, I think I think priests in that situation will really appreciate that advice as well. Um, poor analogy, maybe, but uh, you know we have candidates, uh, we have an incumbent and a candidate for presidency talking about platforms, trying to show that they have a focus. Uh, I think I'll, I love the idea of a priest thinking about his pastoral platform. What are the things that I'm going to work on in this community and, and, and bring forward? Uh, and, and how am I going to do that with the work of these, these people? How are they going to help me? What what gifts do they have, et cetera? Thank you for that. Uh, we are out of time. Uh, as I said, this time flies by. Father Jay, I want to thank you uh, for your, your thoughts again, for your time. Um, I, I just really appreciate uh, what you had to say, particularly about sacramental prep, uh, particularly what the advice you gave to to people that are working with many multiple parishes. And um, now that we're, we're at the end, I'd like to ask you well, for one more thing. Could you give us a blessing?
1: Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, We who seek to do your will, to share knowledge of you, so that others may enter your love as we have, we ask that you always inspire us with your wisdom, encourage us in time of doubt and frustration, and always assert yourself as ever-present to us. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, be with you.
0: And with your spirit.
1: The Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. That's it for today's episode of Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback. Look forward to seeing you next time. God bless. God bless. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo in nosotros. At sadlyreligion.com dot com forward slash ciu.